Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Ho, 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 mother flippers, and welcome to the Pot on the Tyne Christmas special. Happy holidays, Felice Navidad, and Merry Bloody Christmas from your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up in the snow this week, it's our Black Eye special. After some rigorous testing, Pot on the Tyne hits the pub. Christmas temps, Newcastle makes some seasonal hires. And it's the end of the year show, so we'll raise a glass to Old Lang Tyne with a special treat for you all. <laughs> hello, Pund- everyone. Fantastic. What a start. <laughs> it's so wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm your host, Taylor Payne, and right here beside me, polishing their jingle bells in a quiet corner of the fourth pub in Newcastle. It's the Athletics Newcastle United correspondent, Chris Woff, and our senior writer, George Cogan. All right, lads. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? Well, I was a bit concerned that we were just about to go into another uh, advert there, so that just when, you, when, when you said we were polishing our jungle, but no, very good, thank you. Merry Christmas, one and all. I can't believe that we all actually exist. I mean, I I, I, it's the, how, when was the last time we actually did this in person? It was about six stone ago for me, I think, the last time we did this in person. Oh, we're being handed presents. We're being handed presents by by, um, producer producer Ollie has just handed us a gift. We've got crackers as well. Do we do the? Should we do present? Let's do the crackers. Let's do a quick. Let's do a quick. Do the crackers. Hang on. Okay, hang on. I've done this the wrong way. I better win this one, otherwise it's going to be hell on. I flip the table. Okay. Oh, Mary. Oh, I've lost. I've lost. Set of cards. Get in. I won this one. What's this? I've got nothing. I have some kind of Victorian penis torture implement in mine. What? I don't know what's happened there. Well, what's hang on? What's happened to the other bit of the crack? No, but I need a I need a hat and a joke. Where's the other bits gone? I've got a ball uh, opener. Oh, we've oh, already right, got a okay, joke for you. you. Uh, right. right. So, shall I read my joke? Yeah, go on. How do sheep greet each other at Christmas? Sheep. Sheep. Um, you old la- um, merry. Yeah, I don't know. That's yours. I mean, uh, happy happy you year. Well, quite close. A Merry Christmas to you. No, I'll take that. Yeah, All right. Um, what do you get when you cross a snowman and a vampire? Apparently, you get a really shit joke. Um, <laughs> cross the gl- oh, no. Oh, you're not far off. Uh, it's frostbite, Chris. Fro- you're so oh, close, oh, but I can't. Come on. Uh, what do you get if you team Santa with a detective? Santa with a detective? Uh, Sherlock? Um, Sherlock gnomes? No, I don't know. It was Santa Clues. Oh clues. Right, okay. uh, and Awful. that's the end of Pot on the Time for this week. Yes, um, Christ we'll see you later. Um, so uh, can we have a glass clink, by the oh, way? Yeah, lads? Yeah, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to one and all. There we are. Here's to the lovely stuff. Baby Jesus. 
Exactly. Are we doing all right? Are we good? This yeah, is a great. very fetching jumper you're wearing, Chris. Thank you very much. Yes, I it, it did used to light up, but I came in <laughs> drunk a few years ago and put it through the wash, so it no longer lights up. It Incredible. probably is going to electrocute me as well at some point, but it's fine. I'm, sl- I'm slightly annoyed. We open presents well, for we, Molly? We, we should. I'm slightly annoyed about this because I've also bought presents. Oh man, I've brought nothing. Um, I mean, we seem really. Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <laughs> This that is easily the best thing I'm going to get. Yeah, that is, that is. Is that festive It's yeah. a Greg's festive yeah, yeah, bit. Oh, get, in, get stuck mm. in, George. Don't wait. No, <laughs> no. Well, Nothing better than on an audio podcast than people eating, is there? No, no. That's good. I really hope Greg's that listening to this as well. Okay, well, we'll send more Greg's bits. Fantastic stuff. Let's go through this very quickly because right, I've also on. got brought some presents. I know we said we weren't going to do presents this year, lads, but I just couldn't, couldn't resist. So, what I need you to do. Taylor yeah. is to use all of your powers of description okay. to give this to Ollie, but I need Ollie to close his eyes just when I pass it across the table. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. You can um, open your eyes now. It's just I didn't want to. There you go. It's <laughs> just let's let's just get 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 people's juices flowing, Taylor. Come on. Well, uh, it's uh, something which is cylindrical. It is meat based. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not really getting into the swing of things. I mean, well, this will be so tasty for Sunday Christmas. You know, oh, sorry, on. did you want a Marks and Spencer's advert? Yes. I didn't realise, sorry. Um, traditional pork with a hint of sage. Right, okay, so, all right, you, you, that was, it was awful. Right, so they're Geordie bangers, and it's very, they're going to be very tasty. Right, yeah, you are. You've, you've ruined that, but that's fine. Chris, Taylor, please close your eyes. Oh, Jesus, what's coming? So, what am I describing this? What? Well, I... I'm hoping that you're going to be a bit better, bearing in mind this is your specialist subject. Right, you can open your eyes, Taylor, that's fine. Well, this is what the Three Kings should have been in the initial story, um, which is basically the most wonderful meat-based product. This is better. <laughs> which they've added a bit of cranberry, orange and chestnut, which I'm not massively keen on, the fact that, you know, I'd just rather go pure meat, but equally, you know, every, each to their own. And so, Oh, Chris is so, so this, this, this was This was the gift that should have been brought to the baby Jesus, initially. Wow. The three kings, it's more, three kings it's more, it's more Geordie Bangers. I really yeah. appreciate the, the sentiment and the thought, but what I will have to tell you is that these sausages will kill me because they've got chestnuts in, and I'm, I'm not allergic. All right, well, so, <laughs> yeah. well... But I'll get the feeling you knew that already, George. No, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know that. No, that, was, that was very <laughs> random. So what I'd need Chris to do now is close his eyes. And I've never seen Chris looking more enthusiastic about Christmas because... <laughs> Well, it's his favourite things. It's sausages, it's meat. Keep your eyes closed. So, what I would like you to keep those eyes closed, put your hands out, and Merry Christmas, Chris. Describe what you feel. They sprout. Yes, I'm afraid they're sprouts. <laughs> well, they're not sprouts, Chris. I mean, hang on. Sorry, they're... they are. Well, well I, it, when I first when I first grabbed onto it, then I did think I was again I was going to be describing another one. The adverts we do because uh... they're they're, <laughs> they're, they're, a, they're a nutritious and delicious side dish for the Christmas meal. I have listened back to every single show that we've done this year, and let me tell you, that was a fucking challenge. You have mentioned meat or meat-based products on 963 <laughs> occasions, and I'm really worried about your, your heart and your calorific intake, so I've got you a nice, refreshing bag of sprouts well, thank for you Christmas. Very much. Thank you, you look so amazing. disappointed. I'm gutted. Yeah, your faces. That's, that's beautiful. That's gonna live small with green orbs of compressed <laughs> gas just waiting to go off. Merry Christmas. They are incredible. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for the gift. That's okay. I feel a lot more festive now, lads. I don't know about you, but yeah. that's, uh, that's oh, wonderful oh, we've stuff. We've got a podcast to do, haven't we? So. We <laughs> are. Yeah. Let's, let's crack on, shall All right, we? okay. Come on.
Hi Taylor, Chris, George and all the Pod and Time listeners, it's Harry DeCosmo here, author of Black and White Night, House of Bobby Robson Made Newcastle United Again. Just want to say have a great Christmas and all the best for 2022, both personally and in terms of Newcastle United. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hi, my name is Thomas Concannon. It's been a strange year for Newcastle fans with games behind closed doors and then finally returning again to the departure of the previous owner and new ambitious owners in place. The roller coaster promises to continue in 2022, but one thing is for sure is that Newcastle United fans will be there to back the lads, whatever happens. A very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. Right then, well, Newcastle, uh, they had a couple of games recently, Liverpool and Man City, and let's be honest, Chris, the less said about that, the better. Huh? Well, yes, I mean, basically the game was over after five minutes at the, at the weekend for the yeah. Man City game, the most recent of the two. I mean, to be fair, Liverpool was slightly different and I think obviously we're basically drawing the two games together because they've both been since the last podcast. But Liverpool, to begin with, Newcastle took the lead, Shelby scored and I think first half in particular, they were sort of reading the game. The game plan was set up to try and counter Liverpool and I think... I think that it, it worked to a certain extent and Liverpool were just too good although Newcastle self-imploded whereas the Man City game was very, very disappointing not that anyone expected Newcastle to beat Man City but to lose to concede a goal which I have to I've, I've thought about this a lot over the last few days and I, I think it's the worst goal from a defensive point of view I've ever it seen horrific, live Genu- it? genuinely think it's the worst goal I've ever seen defensively oh, really? live genuinely yeah George, whose fault is that? Who should be who should be taking responsibility there? Is it's it, it Dubravka or is it Clark? It, it's, it's the worst goal I've seen since Leicester City away a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get that out of my head. That um, Dubravka giving it to Lascelles, Lascelles trying to give it to Shelby. Shelby. Mm. So I know that's a different match, but ugh, I can't get that out of my head. Yeah, it was abysmal. It was abysmal. Whose fault was it? <sighs> I sh- I just think if you're a keeper, it's that close yeah. to you. If it's, and it's in your floated up, mm. you've got to try. You've got to mow down your defenders to get to that ball. Mm. It was there to be caught. It was not like that was fired in hard. It was yeah. there to be caught. So the keeper's got to go. I mean, whether there was a shout or not, or I don't know. But I mean, I think it was. It, there's a bit of everybody's fault, but I think the keeper has to come for that. Yeah, Kieran Clark looked like a man caught between two bus stops, didn't he? That's what he looked like to <laughs> he me. He did. Uh, bless him but he just allowed it to bounce and then it's an easy goal isn't it and, and you know that's one of my recurring fears running for, having to run for a bus oh really yeah oh. never ever chase your own hat there's nothing as stupid as a man chasing his own hat and never ever run for a bus right yeah I'll remember that okay good um, yeah but I mean if you're going to try and keep things tight at the back against Man City and try and you know eke out something you, you can't be giving away goals like that can you early 
Well, I mean, I analysed the goal on the athletic look because because the mistakes are there even before mm. the bounce. I mean, Newcastle again trying to play it out from the back like they had at Leicester, and as they like they did to concede the second goal against Liverpool, where John Joe Shelby gave it away. Trying to play it out from the back with players who are ill-suited to do it. Lascelles and Dubravka. Uh, fannying on I'll use that term again and then eventually Dubravka kicking it out the corner then not being cleared properly Zinchenko having loads of room the ball getting played too Cancelo nobody picks it there's seven Newcastle, every Newcastle player is behind the ball when Zinchenko gets it and then by the time the ball by the time Cancelo gets to it having to stretch it's not even an easy ball from a get to to stretch but he's given the time and space to do it to then loft the ball in the box there's 2.1 seconds between him touching the ball it bouncing and then Diaz being able to head it in and not not one Newcastle player despite there being five in the in, include not including Dubravka in the six yard box it was yeah. just awful and against Man City that is the last thing you want particularly yeah. Man City side who Pep Guardiola even admitted first half were, were pretty poor to be honest by their yeah. standards yeah, they didn't seem to be out of, out of first gear, did they? But um, the the second goal, the Cancelo goal, George as well. He's he's walked past Joe Willock in midfield, and then if you watch the the footage of it, Kieran Clark and Jamal Lascelles do this lovely sort of back to back Abba style pose, and they just open the gate for him, and he just pops it in the top corner. I mean, there's gifts, but then there's gifts, isn't there? And that was an absolute gift. Yeah, and we're talking about a defence that um, you know. You can look at you can look at it against Man City and say that there were effectively two defenders playing in that match, mm-hmm. with Richie on one side and Mur- Murphy on the other as mm-hmm. fullbacks. I mean that was obviously to do with illness or injury and stuff like that. But all over the place, you're talking about a team and a defence that has stagnated, that hasn't grown. I'll defend them. I will. De- I'll always defend this team because I like them and I like the players and I like what they did four or five years ago, six years ago. Now is it to get out of the championship? Yeah. But the point is they haven't been challenged by signings, by new signings coming in. Yeah. And they ha- they haven't been improved by the coaching staff that's been there for a long time. Chris Chris's piece um, after the weekend brought up this incredible stat. Newcastle have conceded 79 goals this year. That's the highest total by a Premier League team. It equals Ipswich from Chris 94. 94 Jesus. and there's still two games left. And that tells you everything you know need to know about the team. In, in 2021 it's been a catalogue of errors at the back you look at the first goal in the last three games that Newcastle have conceded the Leicester goal that we've already talked about the goal at Liverpool alright it wasn't it wasn't their fault but you've yeah. got the two players on the ground and then uh, the referee doesn't stop it and uh, and then the, the first goal at the weekend they're, all those three goals they're farcical they're yeah. absolutely farcical and Newcastle as a squad have regressed and as players they've regressed we have to uh, we have to mention the some of the refereeing decisions that have gone against us, especially in the Liverpool game. The the, the tackle by Trent Alexander Arnold on uh, Ryan Fraser, which me and you, Chris, had a little chat about this before we started recording. We both think it was a it was a nailed on penalty, and I know a lot of people do. For me, he's played through Fraser to get to the ball, and then Ryan Fraser again involved in another penalty appeal, um, which got our mate Alan from work very very angry on match of the day, didn't it? Um, but they're both penalties, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, at Anfield, I was unfortunate enough to be sat beside. I don't know who they they, they were covering the game for, but two Liverpool fans who all the way through were just every single decision was was that it's the worst thing in the world against Liverpool. So when that that comes up, oh, it's about that's a brilliant tackle, never. But and then when the goal goes, oh, what Newcastle, what Newcastle complaining about? You know, mm. Hayden Hayden shouldn't be going down. And I had the main issue I had with the Hayden incident, by the way, just just quickly touching on that is. I don't think a referee can make a call as to whether 
he thinks that Hayden is faking the injury or not. Now he, mm. he says it was a back injury. I, don't, I, I still don't buy that that was his, his reason. But then the fact that Hayden is the person who plays Jotter on side is the biggest issue of the whole thing. If, if they'd scored yeah. in general, but for the fact that the player who's lying on the floor plays someone on side and you still allow the goal to happen, I had a massive issue with. But in, in the Man City non-penalty award, if I said that, that there was the worst piece of defending I think I've seen in, in a long while, that is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen in a long oh, not to be given live but then not to be given by VAR in that and, and some people are still arguing against it still arguing that oh, it's, it's, it's not a penalty how is it not a penalty if you wipe someone out off the ball regardless of whether they're going to get the ball that is a foul he's out of control Edison yeah. he slides he, he doesn't. He, I don't even know why he goes to ground because he's nowhere near getting the ball the whole thing's bizarre Chris you're, st- just- you're still thinking about the sprouts aren't you this is, this is your <laughs> still fight. angry I, I find you up before the start of this podcast, I knew exactly what I was doing. We've got angry, Chris. Now. It's good. It's good. This carry is what on. we wanted. Yeah, it's carrying carry on. Yes, I'm not in the festive spirit anymore. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you can tell. But Ryan Fraser doesn't deviate his run or anything, does he? He just carries on the way he was going. He's chasing Cancelo down, and he just gets wiped out by Edison. And, and how is VAR looking at that and not giving a penalty? It's, uh, it's in what universe is that? Right? It's an astonishingly bad decision. What I hate about it is that we're talking about. You know, we're still talking about VAR in the same way as we did at the start, and we're we're talking about it in a subjective way. The whole point of VAR is that it's supposed to be objective. It's supposed to be uh, clear and obvious errors, and it's supposed to be correcting those or uh, you know putting them into place, whatever. And it's not doing any of that. It's no. it's we're talking about refereeing, and we're talking about it more than we were in the first place. It's pointless. It's yeah. absolutely pointless. I don't think the technology is pointless. I don't think oh, the no. Id- I don't think the idea of it is pointless. But the way it's being implemented is absolutely hopeless, and yeah. it still comes down to human error. And it, uh, this has always been my problem with it: is that I don't care if a referee makes a mistake on the pitch. I mean, we see that we you know we have just seen Newcastle make one of the worst defensive errors that you could ever hope to see I, I accept that that can happen and I accept that referees can make mistakes I don't mind that what I do mind is that we're supposed to have this system that doesn't allow for that or corrects yeah, those mistakes it out. and it's not working it's not working bigger picture I get more angry at Newcastle than I do at referees yeah. and I think you know having made that point about the first goal at Leicester the first, and certainly the first goal at Man City you know, Newcastle don't deserve sympathy once they've done that. Yeah. Um, you can have all the uh, luck in the world with VAR, but if you're going to defend like that, yeah. then it's not going to make any difference. And, it? and, it, and it, it does come back to that thing that I've felt from day one in this season, um, that just this is just not Newcastle season. I hate thinking that. That's just always been the thing that's in the back yeah. of my mind. The first year under Steve Bruce was that, you remember that VAR decision at Sheffield United? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it just feels like all those just little things are not going Newcastle's way. Having said all that, you know, I, I just think that once you've done what Newcastle did in those matches, in those first goals, it's like the you know the game's gone by that point. And I mean, Absolutely. touching up, touching upon the defence, that is the since Eddie Howe's come in, that is not. I know that he, that he, we argued at, at Leicester that for large parts of the game Newcastle were actually doing all right defensively, and I think I think that there there were and the, it wasn't like Leicester were camped around the box, but they conceded four goals. They've conceded in their last three games. They've conceded eleven goals, and now. Uh, under how I think they've actually conceded more goals in the same number of games under Bruce. So of all of the and and to be fair, Bruce's games were, were a lot. 
kinder if you looked yeah. at them compared yeah. to the ones Newcastle just played. But that was the, that was the sort of reservation that I said at the time, and I think a lot of people said at the time is that Eddie Howe at Bournemouth they always conceded sixty goals or more in every single Premier League season. He has no real track record of sorting out defence. Graham Jones is one of the coaches he kept on, who under Roberto Martinez that most of his career he has no track record of that. I felt at the time what he needed was someone to come in alongside him who was defensive coach, and I still feel that that might not be the worst idea now because mm. it doesn't look really that Newcastle are improving massively in that area. I realise there are, there are limitations with the players that have at his disposal, but against Man City, albeit that he had a lot of players out due to injury and illness, he decided to select two out-and-out defenders. And he had two midfielders on the bench who, in Hendrick and Longstaff, you can argue, aren't good enough. I accept that in many ways. Yeah. But equally, he didn't play either of those two and decided to play with a flat-back four where he had two out-and-out wingers as full-backs. And that, that is, that is, there are many issues there in terms of selection and other things. So I think that he, he must be having a bit of a rethink about what he can do if they aren't, well, at least in the next two games because they're not going to have any new players for Man United mm, yeah. and Everton if those two games go ahead so he has to make some sort of change and try and show up the defence because it just isn't working at the minute I mean it is Christmas we want to try and stay slightly positive if we possibly can was there any positives to take from those two games I mean I think the performances of Joe Linton have been a bright point would you agree with that George? Yeah I totally agree he's been um, it's, it's been very good to hear fans singing his name and singing that nice song about him and um He's certainly seemed to be able to kind of work in the system that Howe set up. I mean, you know, we're still talking about a £40 million footballer and I'm not sure he's playing like a £40 million footballer. I'm not sure that's possible in this in this, no, in this team. So, um, you know, he's not doing the things that we thought he might do when he arrived. He's doing something else though, isn't he? But he's, he's doing a job. He's doing a job and, and yeah, fair play to him for that. Yeah, I think his physicality has been pretty important in that midfield in the last couple of games. He's he's kind of put himself about a bit, and you know there was one point uh, I put it on Twitter the other day that he uh, he did a little he did a little step over and a turn on somebody in the middle of the midfield against Man City, and the bloke stand next to me went, "Whoa, who's put fifty pence in Socrates?" Which I thought was <laughs> which I thought was lovely. Uh, you hear that sort of thing in the game quite a lot, but it was great. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of glad for him. I feel I feel relieved that he's had a little bit of respite from the from the grief and the stick that he had last season and he didn't score goals and maybe he needs to add that to his game but it's nice to see him actually be part of a be part of a team and, and be doing a job you know I'm pleased about that as well but uh, and I know that this is meant to be a positive but I'm, I'm going to unfortunately turn around into a negative um, oh, yeah, I, we I, I, I was sat next to Martin Hardy at the game at the weekend from the, from the Times and we, we were discussing this that Newcastle sec- started the second half with uh, a midfield of Isaac Hayden and either side of him in that three-man midfield was £60 million worth of talent which Newcastle signed in theory to be attackers. They've scored, I think, 15 goals and 130 Premier League starts between them. It was, and essentially, Newcastle are lacking creative forwards. They're lacking people who are scoring goals and creating those opportunities. So as much as Joe Linton is bringing in that sense, as much as Almiron is getting around the pitch, they're not actually creating the goals. And, and Callum Wilson's actually, since Eddie Howe's come in, has looked quite isolated in a lot of the matches. And I think that's part of, that's part of the issue and so again it comes down to recruitment and at the moment recruitment I know we're going to discuss that later on but at the moment recruitment is be, the players are being identified by the same person who identified those players as well and so that yeah. that gives me a little bit of concern going into January as well that, that the £60 million was spent on those two to essentially turn them in now to, to number eight which is not what they were signed as uh, and it's you know it's there's still a couple of games to play until the window opens um, and it sounds like the games are going to go ahead have Newcastle got any chance of picking up some points before the new year? Um, it doesn't feel massively likely. Um, I mean, you would say that Everton, Everton, 
Everton feels like the more likely of the two, but you never know. I mean, I think I think the sort of disappointing thing looking back at these matches is that Leicester felt like the one uh, where they could take advantage of the opposition's struggles in terms of fitness and form and injury and travel and stuff like that, and they comprehensively failed to do that. Mm. And so the momentum that they did have was lost, and then nothing that we've seen since then, albeit maybe Liverpool could have been worse. Um, you know, you would look at those results and say, well, that's probably what you know what you'd have expected. I mean, and I mean that in a in a shit way, not in a good way. <laughs> and so they've got to somehow try and get that back. One, the one good thing is that I know that sort of it sounds to me that within the within the dressing room, people are still positive. There is that feeling that you know they have enough, but with a few few additions, that they'll still get out. I don't think there's any mutterings at all of of sort of disquiet within the place, and. You know that's that's encouraging, and the league table still isn't totally terrible. I was I was quite surprised when I looked at the league table that we're actually still, I mean, not massively far away from the teams. Burnley who are Burnley have now played three games less, but you can't see them winning three yeah. games, um, and so that's the good thing is that they're not adrift. That's the important, really. That's the important stat at the moment. That albeit all all the stuff that we're talking about is negative in terms of results and points and where they are on the table. There isn't a gap, so as long as they can get to the end of the year with it being like that, then they've still got a chance. They have to. I say this now, and there's still six days to the game, so by Monday I'll have changed my opinion. <laughs> I think they've got it. I, I fancy them against Man United. Are you Why? drunk? Have you? Well, he's had three sips of beer, so yeah, he is. <laughs> Probably is. Oh, the fumes have just. Have got you had me. eight pints of eggnog before you left the house? What are you? But doing? why do you, you say that? About? I don't know. I just, I just, I keep getting that feeling. I don't. You've know. got that funny it's, feeling. Yeah, I've got that. Mm. Fun, I've got that is that the sprouts? I mean, Man United. You can see in one sense going to this, have not played in a few weeks. Will that be their benefit? But equally, that might mean that they're undercooked. Obviously, a lot of their players have, have had sort of COVID issues, I, I, and and Ralph Rangnick hasn't been there that long yet to be able to really get his ideas across. I just think because there's because there's eight days between the two matches. Newcastle might have someone like John Joe Shelby back who, who helped make some take a little bit. I, I, hopefully they'll have a couple of defenders back as well. Yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, I think they've got a positive result. I'm not saying, necessarily saying winning, but I think they can get a positive result. It feels like we play Man United every Christmas to me. Every single Christmas time we play Man United, and they always hammer us. Always. I can't see it being any different. Newcastle time. usually take the lead, then get hammered. Yeah, it's, usually, yeah, it's yeah. an early goal. James Perch at Old Trafford, and then battered. That's what happens. No, I... Uh, Said I got I got optimistic before Leicester, um, and I have learned my lesson. And I mean, you're just never too old to learn lessons. I thought I thought Newcastle had taught me everything that was to know. Never ever, bloody anything ever has always been my motto. And I allowed myself to start a little spark of optimism before no. Leicester. Similar problems that you're talking about, Chris, with Manu. But no, I can't say it. Okay, well, let's fingers crossed. You never know. Let's move on, and we'll be back in a sec. Hi, this is Warren Barton. I just want to wish you all a, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Looking back on a, a tough year to say the least, it started off obviously very nerve-wracking, but the boys have managed to, to stay in the Premier League, which is a, a good achievement considering uh, the circumstances. We go into this season not really looking into it with too optimism the way it was going to go, uh, but the last few months obviously has changed that for everybody. The city, the people, the fans and the players and the staff. So. Now we can go into the holiday period with a little bit of optimism and 
positivity. Uh, it's been obviously a tough start to say the least, but with the new owners and the feel-good factor that's around St James's Park is wonderful. The Burnley result, which is as if we won the Premier League, but the lap of honour from Eddie and his staff and the players and the fans and the ownership all there as one. Uh, I look at that type of uh, moment and then obviously you go into the holiday period hoping to get some results so it's been a, a tough year but one thing that's never doubted from my mind is the support of the fans for the club it's a special place it's a special part in my life and my heart and i would want to wish you a very merry christmas and a happy new year take care Lovely stuff, that isn't it? Everyone feel I feel so festive now. It's amazing. It's so nice what a little bit of jingle bells can do for your uh, for your mood. Uh, football and misery, however, continues. <laughs> oh, uh, pace on the field, uh, but we're clinging on to glimmers of hope that come with the new hierarchy. And they've brought in a couple of helping hands this week. Um, Chris, what do we know about these? Mark Leyland uh, and. Nicky Hammond as well. What's 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 the story behind behind these two? Well, I'll cover Mark Leyland first, and then George can can maybe come in on Nicky Hammond because they're sort of in different sort of uh, brought in for different reasons. So Mark Leyland is be, is someone who Eddie Howe's worked with before uh, when he was at Burnley. He's come in from Liverpool, and he is an analyst. And and what we're told is he's going to do is essentially he's he's going to be the analyst of the coaches, which sounds strange in many ways. But basically, one thing we know that Eddie Howe does a lot of is. He digitises his coaching sessions, as we as we had, uh, spoke about the other week, and basically watches back every single session. It's a big wow. thing for him yeah. to see how they can improve. And so Leland will be heavily involved in that, looking at the sessions, looking at what the coaches are doing, how they can improve, and basically just to, to, to sharpen up everything uh, in around that department. And, and given that Newcastle could do with those extra 1%ers in just about every single area, mm. uh, how sees him as being a, a very important addition to his backroom staff. Excellent. Sounds like it could be useful, a useful appointment. George, what about Nicky Hammond? What do we know about him? Yeah, that was a story that we um, that we we broke last week. Um, he has been brought in as a short-term recruitment consultant. So that was something that um, that we expected Frank McParland to be doing um, at the start of this. Uh, Frank was was involved uh, with Amanda Staveley's part of the consortium at the start, but that hasn't happened for whatever reason. So. Uh, Nicky Hammond is is doing that basically for January. Uh, he did really good work at, at Reading when they got up into the Premier League, sort of set that team going, hired Steve Koppel, who got them up for the first time in their history, and then more recently has been at West Brom, less successfully, and then Celtic. I mean, it sounds to me like this is going to be kind of a lot of bureaucratic stuff, sort of looking at uh, contracts uh, and, and kind of giving advice as opposed to going out there and... Buying, actually buying yeah. the players and negotiating with the players. We know that the uh, that the hierarchy are doing that pretty much themselves. They're yeah. being very hands-on. So Amanda Staveley, Mirdad Gadusi, Jamie Rubin, they're really at the forefront of this. Obviously, all the big decisions then have to get signed off by by PIF, and they're being uh, they you know they're being helped or they're being uh, consulted uh, with by uh, Eddie Howe. And Steve Nixon, who's mm. who's who's the uh, chief scout. So that's the way it's working. At the same time as all this is happening, they're conducting this kind of quite thorough search for a director of football, sporting director figure. But we don't expect that to be done. Certainly, don't, it won't be done before January, and it's unlikely to be done to impact January. Mm. 
in any meaningful sense. So they need somebody like Nicky Hammond to sort of do do that negotiating stuff, particularly now that they don't have Lee Charnley around. One of the names that's been linked with that technical director role as well is Dan Ashworth at Brighton. Chris, what do we know about that? Well, as David Ornstein, our colleague, broke this story uh, at the start of the week as well, that basically uh, Dan Ashworth is someone who Newcastle uh, want to, to interview and have been co- given permission to, to talk to him. I think he's one of many candidates, but he's someone who certainly is very highly regarded within the game. He's a former West Brom as well, former England, um, and he's basically uh, the, the, the third party group, the Nolans, who Newcastle have uh, employed to, to find. Uh, the next director of football, uh, football director, what, whatever the title's going to be, mm. they have relationship with Dan Ashworth previously. His two previous jobs, it was the Nolans who got got him into those rules. So he is he is set to have talks with Newcastle. He's been given permission by Brian to do that. That doesn't mean it's necessarily nailed on, but it shows clearly that, that Newcastle at least want to explore that possibility, and he does uh, as well. And I think they're still in a relatively early stage of this. And as George says, not look, looking like there's going to be an imminent appointment. But Newcastle desperately needs someone for the long term. They need someone to build the structure. Nicky mm. Hammond is very much short term, and as George says, they've lost Lee Charney. They don't actually have. He used to basically negotiate all of the deals. He was the only real director Newcastle had. Steve Nixon wasn't really involved in negotiations. He mm. just was sort of scouting the players, and so they needed someone who could help with with the minutiae of what you do with con, uh, contracts and speaking to agents and all different bits involved. But they need someone longer term who can plan the strategy, not just for January, but looking at the coaches looking at look, how Newcastle want to play a longer term because you've got to remember, if you look at Brighton for example Graham Potter is someone they brought in but they're also thinking longer term about how they want Brighton to play at every single yeah. level setting all the different uh, bits of the club sorting it all out George has been to Brighton before well yeah you send me every year yeah <laughs> well, well I don't think you'd, I, that's a bit cruel to bring that up anyway but there's, I was going to say there's a very there's a very good piece on the site at the minute by Andy Naylor our Brighton writer writing about Dan Ashworth saying that yes obviously he'll have a you know the offer of a of a lucrative salary and huge resources but uh, but that it's not cut and dry that he go to to Newcastle one of the things he talks about in there is that it's part of Brighton's culture to 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 let other clubs talk to their employees mm. a because that's just the way they work they want to be open they want to um, providing that those clubs do things in the right way which Newcastle definitely have through this recruitment agency um, but also be, I mean they are desperate for him to stay but they want to show that you know they want to show that willingness to let people go on and, imp- and improve so it's 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 a very good piece it sort of puts some background into what he's been doing at Brighton but also just because he's been given permission to speak to Newcastle doesn't mean that he would mm. he would go it has got fans talking though this this potential appointment and that, this potential approach Dan Ashworth's got quite a good name in the in the world of football and people seem to be quite positive about this it's it's an interesting one Chris isn't it I mean we've we've heard lots of different names that have been bandied around Michael Emanalo was one that was talked about for a while um, <clears throat> but there, there seems to be nothing but positivity for Dan Ashworth's name yeah, I mean, what's interesting about Dan Ashworth is I was speaking to, to someone in recruitment yesterday and they were saying that, that Dan Ashworth there is, I mean, his title is technical director and there are subtly diff- there are subtle differences between if you have a director of football, if mm. you have technical director, if you have sporting director and so we don't yet know exactly what the structure is going to be at Newcastle 
and it maybe that's what part of this conversation will be with Dan Ashworth as well because it may be that, that he is not eventually interested in whatever it is Newcastle are going to do or maybe he if they mm. do really want Dan Ashworth he will be given the remit to basically come and decide what he wants to do so he is very he is very very highly rated uh, he's someone who was obviously at the FA previously and I think that, that in, in many ways speaking to quite a few people they seem to think it would make a lot of sense if Newcastle were going to go for Dan Ashworth and one of his great strengths as Andy Naylor talks about is identifying young players for a relatively low cost who can be developed. He's done that at Brighton with players like Tarek Lamptey. We've seen the impact yeah. uh, he's had, player. and that is yeah, yeah, and that is something that Newcastle definitely want to do. The academy is a huge part of uh, the plans of the of the of the ownership. They want it to be an academy that uh, you know that sort of looks and feels a bit like Chelsea's, where they're developing their own players, and if those players can't make it into the first team, that they can they can then be sold and moved on. And it keeps it ticking over. Um, so this is the other side of the takeover. You know, people immediately start thinking about big names, big signings. But that kind of stuff is is really important as well. Fantastic stuff, right? We'll be back in just a second with a special Christmas surprise. George oh. is already looking nervous. I am. Speak to you in a bit. Hello there, it's Stephen Best from the All With Smiling Faces podcast here. Wishing a wonderful Christmas and a prosperous new year to Taylor, Chris, George and all of the Pod on the Time listeners. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hi, this is Charlotte Robson from the True Faith Newcastle United fanzine and podcast. Wishing you all a very Merry Christmas. I think we got our Christmas present early in October with the takeover, but uh, if we're allowed any more, that will win would be nice. My New Year's resolution is for my football team to stay in the Premier League. Very achievable from me. Hope everybody out there is staying very safe. It's been a real roller coaster of a year, so um, yes, everybody sit back, relax, and enjoy their Christmas period. Take care. Right then, as uh, Chris chews through mouthfuls of his festive bake, uh, it's been quite the year, hasn't it, gentlemen? Uh, it's, some, it's been some year. The next time uh, we'll talk, it'll be January. Uh, we may have played Everton and Southampton by them, two very crucial games. And we might even have some new players, including Kieran Trippier, if you believe all the back page nonsense going on at the minute. Um, we don't need to go into massive detail here, but how are we feeling about 2021 and the prospect of going into 2022, Chris? 
Um, what's well, strange? It's been shit, hasn't it, Chris? It, it, Let's it, be it, honest. It, 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 it has, <laughs> but then there's been the, the sort of ma- from a Cassie United point of view, there's also been that massive high about that. That's what's so strange mm. at the minute. I mean, I'm, I'm actually writing an interview up at the moment with Joe Willock, which is which is going to go up over the festive period, and sort of it, it covers that as well. That, that sort of Joe Willock in some ways. There's a similarity with with Newcastle's st- storyline as a whole. There was the massive high for Joe Willock of scoring those seven goals in seven games, mm. and that just hasn't quite happened for him since. Whereas Newcastle, for 95 percent of this year, have been on the pitch, have been absolutely awful. Yeah. Yet the one big thing that so many fans have been so keen to happen for so long, and I think many had basically given hope would happen, finally did happen in, in October. And yet that 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 positive future still feels like it's just just out of reach at the minute and they're still going towards it so going into 2022 I I, I do actually have positivity I think that they will try and make well they will make additions in January so mm-hmm. they're going to try it's the first time they can positively influence that sense except when they brought in Eddie Howe it's the first opportunity to do that and then also going forward next summer regardless of, of which division Newcastle are in you expect there I very much expect there to be uh, an overhaul of the squad either to bring them back or hopefully to really strengthen and push up the Premier League table so I do have a lot of optimism going at 2022 actually I mean, the league position is is terrible at the minute and it's not particularly uh, positive at all but we're in a lot better position as a football club now George than we were last Christmas for sure yeah for sure now if you look at the well, Chris, Chris has said all that very eloquently, so I don't need to go back there. Well, the one thing that I am really enjoying at the moment and want to carry on for as long as possible is this just feeling within the stadium of everybody, and it doesn't matter whether it's at home or it doesn't matter if it's away, there's just that feeling of positivity. Everybody's on that same on the same page. It mm. feels like a coalition. You want that coalition to last for as long as possible. Yeah. And um, it's just, it, it still feels, it still feels really good going there knowing that Newcastle fans will sing I mean obviously Man City game was not great and people did leave early but by and large the feeling is positive mm. people understand you know they were still singing Eddie Howe's name none of that's yeah. none of that's gone and just to have that sense of everybody being in it together so the the it that we're in may actually may actually have SH in front of it but <laughs> there's that acceptance that it belongs to kind of all of us now yeah. and that's you know that's really encouraging like Chris says you would expect them to do things in January fingers crossed it's enough um, but you just want this feeling this feeling of being a football club to, to endure and if it does then then you know Newcastle will bounce back and come back stronger yeah Chris if Newcastle can't pull themselves out of the shit this year and they do get relegated it isn't it isn't the end of the world is it let's be honest no not, not as much as it could have been under Mike Ashley no certainly not and, and certainly not the, what it would have been last season which may have ended the takeover from happening mm. in general so yes it's not it's not the it, it would set the project back a few years well certainly at least one year maybe slightly longer but it would not be as damaging as it would have been previously, and I also think that we, we know that previously Newcastle have come back up with momentum. I think they could they would have the the opportunity to try and do that again. The championship is a slog, and there is no guarantee, yeah. even with the, uh, the the wealth that Newcastle have behind them, that they would come back the first time asking. But I, I think that that it would be embraced by Newcastle supporters, and so I don't think it's feared in exactly the same way. Or we still like it's fine. Yeah, part of this, so much of this year. I mean, I remember again, just to say this again, being at the Wolves game away, 
and I thought to myself, this is never, ever going to change. This is the feeling that I've got. Yeah. That this is exactly the same as the year, the previous season at Wolves. Steve Bruce was saying exactly the same thing. The team hadn't got any better over the summer, hadn't been strengthened. Yeah. And it's just the same old crap of bouncing between systems and formations, trying to eke out enough points to stay in the Premier League. Whatever division the team is in next this time next year, the club is going to look very, very different. I think we know that. And yeah. I'm excited about that because it's unknown, it's different. And yeah, it might be in the championship, who knows, but it will look and feel very different. And I'm excited, excited about that. We've got a few questions in from, from subscribers as well. Uh, Eric B has asked, Chris, what is the best Newcastle-themed gift you've received for Christmas? And is it better than the penalty that Man United will surely be gifted against us next <laughs> Monday? <laughs> The best Newcastle-themed gift I've ever received actually is quite a poignant one. I've got it up in my office, and it was my brother got me it, uh, and it is a tribute to Gary Speed, uh, oh, which was the year after he uh, died. So that is up in my office and means a lot to me. So yeah, that's probably the best. How about you, George? Um, I think it's all. I mean, I tend to find Christmas and Christmas. Pre- I mean, not Christmas, but Christmas presents profoundly disappointing. <laughs> So what I tend to do is ask people not to buy me anything and I'll just buy them myself. So you just want the money, basically? No, I don't want, want money. No, I just don't want any presents <laughs> at all because I don't like surprises and, and, and I, can't sh- I can't hide my disappointment. Oh, so God. I tend to buy it. So I've, like, um, I've got a couple of really nice um, uh, framed true faith quote pictures and one's Kevin Keegan talking about yeah. wanting Newcastle fans to be dreamers. And that's from a quote I did an interview with, and there's the famous Bobby quote, which I mm. help Bobby with. I've got that. I'm very fond of those. Of course, I've, I've got this um, Isaac Hayden signed shirt. You know how I feel about Isaac. Yeah. But uh, we, it's, a, it's a bit of a complicated story, which I won't bore you with. But um, I, bid for a, I bid for a shirt um, on the match-worn shirt site. Didn't get it. And he felt so much sympathy for him. He actually <laughs> dropped a signed shirt off at my house, which I've had framed. And it does contain, uh, on it, written on it, it has an absolutely wonderful, heartfelt message, which I think really gets the heart of our relationship, me and Isaac. Go on and then. it says, um, Dear George, best wishes, Isaac Hayden. And That's you can, true love, that, Chris. I mean, it? you can just feel the. You can feel that. I mean, I'm getting. I think you spent a long time. I was going to say, I'm yeah, getting hairs clearly on the back of my neck. over that for ages. Thinking about just that. trying to get oh. the, your heartstrings. Isaac, me and Isaac, you know, we're just so close. My, what about you, Taylor? My, my, my best Newcastle-themed gift ever was uh, at the age of 10, uh, 1990... Well, actually, it would be 11, 1993. Um, and I asked my mum for a Newcastle home shirt, the barcode shirt, and she went everywhere to try and get one, and she couldn't get one. She couldn't find one anywhere. They were sold out everywhere. Newcastle were flying high uh, at the top of uh, Division One, uh, And she disappointedly came to me and said, I can't get the football shirt anywhere. Would you be okay with a tracksuit? And I said, yeah, of course. You know, that's fine. So I got this Newcastle tracksuit, uh, an old Umbro one, 1992, with the mad colours and triangles on it and all sorts. Uh, and I got it on Christmas morning. And my dad's a Sunderland fan. And he made me eat my Christmas dinner on the stairs, <laughs> wearing the Newcastle tracksuit because he wouldn't have it at the dinner table. <laughs> So that's my my favourite Christmas present, so, and I wore I wore the knees of that tracksuit out very very quickly. So that's kind of a, a mixture of sort of warm, happy, mm. memorable feeling, child and al- abuse, and also child abuse. Yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, fine, good. 
Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, Daniel M has asked, I've been wondering, is the person who says The Athletic on the podcast audio, George, oh my is he God. going into voice of work? How many times have we had to answer this question, George? If I, if I had a pound for every time I've been asked that, I'd have seven quid. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. Think what I could do with that. Oh. Um, I better crackers. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the Athletic. I mean, I was trying to make it sound a bit like... A that bit didn't like sound it. anything like the it. Athletic. The Athletic. It's not me, it's Alan Shearer. It's our close personal work colleague friend. Is Alan, Alan from Shearer. work? Who it's Alan it? from work, yeah. It's Alan from, it's Alan from accounts. Well, speaking from Alan from work, Alan from accounts. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Alan from work, he sent us a little message. Sleigh bells ring. Merry Christmas to all Newcastle United fans and Athletic subscribers. I know it's been a tough year for many reasons, but hopefully as a club, we're back on track. I know performances have been pretty poor, especially defensively, but I'm hoping with additions in January, we can climb the table. A big ask, I know, but hey, at least we can dream. Happy Christmas, everyone. Cheers. Walking in a winter wonderland. He was much more upbeat than we've been. Oh, there we go. Beautiful. I like how he didn't introduce himself because he knows that we know who that is. Well, he's Alan from work. I mean, it's Alan we, from work. Yeah. Why would he introduce himself? Hi guys, it's Alan from work. It's Alan from work. Yeah, we know you, Al. We know. We know you. God, he was mortal at the Christmas oh. party. I'll tell you that. Oh God. <sighs> Photocopy in his arse and everything, wasn't it? That's not. Um, Scott M has asked, "When does uh, when does Big Al put his boots back on?" <sighs> It'll be a while since he's had his boots on. I seen him in a in a, uh, a game at Kingston Park a couple of years ago when he was playing in that. Um, scored, said, obviously. Yeah, uh, the sad thing is he can barely run anymore. I mean, that's um, I did a did a piece of two or three years ago. He said if he ra- if he went for a run, he wouldn't be able to walk the next day. That's the sad thing. He, he, I know um, that feeling. Yeah, yeah. He gave so much <laughs> of himself. I mean, we. You know, we kind of in the modern era we think about um, we think about how much footballers are given, but actually they have to give a lot. And mm. those injuries he went through, he wouldn't he wouldn't um, no he could he could never he could never run he could never run for longer than five minutes. Which is what a sad. bloke! What a bloke! Alan from work there. Right then, Chris, we've got a few questions from Twitter, haven't we? Uh, we put a little call out for for questions, and we've had a few responses. Yeah, we've we'll got just, a few there. We'll just go through a couple quickly. So Davy Hall says, "Merry Christmas, lads! Love the podcast. In a year of what for me and most Toon fans, well, had a good, has been pure hell as an NFC fan aside from Tigo. What has been your one moment of magic amongst an array of weekly shite? Something you've smiled, maybe laughed, discussed several times. Go on, Taylor. Oh, no, go on, George. After <laughs> you, uh, age before beauty. Come on. Uh, I mean, there must have been something. Matt like. Ritchie. Matt Ritchie." What not hearing hearing not defending properly? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. Matt Ritchie hearing Matt Ritchie when the games were still behind closed doors. When you could hear Matt Ritchie, yeah. when you could hear him shouting about how he loves playing away, and I then he, he shouted away. when he shouted at the at the linesman. That was absolutely brilliant. What was he shouting at the linesman again? How have you given that, you wee dick? That was it. Wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? That's, it was somebody fouled him, wasn't it? How yes, I think that. I think I think if I'm uh... there, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um... Yes, if I'm being serious, it would have to be the it would have to be the hour or so before Tottenham, and then the first 
The first 10 minutes of the Tottenham game at home, post-takeover, absolutely astonishing. Yeah. Um, just an amazing feeling around the stadium beforehand. People wanting to be there. Queues for yeah. people buying programmes. The club shop know, as well. The club the shop. It was just, it was incredible. And then ten, for 10 minutes, we just had that sense of what this club could be like, what the stadium mm. could be like. And... Um, it was it was like a glimpse of the future that is was then immediately ripped from us again. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> and, and then you know, sort of ever since then, we've been dealing with the yeah. we've been kind of dealing with the de- dealing with the reality. But it was just an amazing moment, and yeah, that will live with me forever. For me, it was um, it was being it was being in Newcastle, just outside of St James's Park, when the moment of the takeover being announced was was made public. Uh, with all of those fans there, and there was a load of lads with uh, cans of lager from the uh, from the Tesco's across the road. Other shops are available, of course. Uh, and that moment when that that tweet dropped on Twitter, and Keith Downey was saying that funds have been transferred, the shares have been transferred, Newcastle have now been taken over, and everyone was hugging each other and smiling, and you know there was footballs getting kicked in the air, and there was all sorts of stuff going on, and it just felt like the first time I'd seen Newcastle fans without a care in the world for a long time and that to me was really special it was nice to be there um, I was there purely by accident I just happened to be going through the town at that point I thought I'm going to park the car and go and have a look and just see what's going on uh, and then the massive cheer went up outside the Gallagher and it was it was, it was was brilliant that to me is the high point this year um, yeah fantastic stuff you can't replicate those moments You don't. No. You, they don't come along very often so yeah brilliant stuff any more Chris? Uh, well this one you've already answered on Twitter but you may as well say it here as well and, we, and we'll go through as well Kevin Monaghan asks, which three Newcastle players, past or present, would you invite for Christmas dinner? So I said um, James Perch, obviously. Obviously. Uh, Jonas Gutierrez, because he seems like a right laugh. Um, and Shola, for a bit of sort of quiet uh, calmness uh, after dinner, you know, a bit of nice. after Just swelling the brandy round, have a bit of Christmas pudding. So James Perch, Jonas and Shola. Chris? Uh, I think first of all I'd go Vernon Nita because he's a small person so wouldn't require much feeding um, <laughs> second of more all more sprouts for you that's, that's well, why you invite that. people to Christmas dinner Chris <laughs> well because they don't eat much speaks <laughs> <laughs> volumes uh, Nobby Solano so that post dinner he could play us uh, a tune on his trumpet and third of all well, I can't have Shola because you've already claimed him but he probably would have been the third this doesn't all have to happen at the same Christmas so if I, can't have Sh- <laughs> if I can't have Shola then I'd have to just claim Sammy and get the other get the other army you'll be brother along just to, just to feel it I'd, I'd be wishing it was Shola the whole time but I'd take yeah, Sammy of course he would George yeah, I mean, I've not given it's this Isaac a second, Hayden, a isn't it? It's Isaac Hayden. Thought. Um, George, it's you and Isaac Hayden. Well, it's candles, just, it's just candles, wine, Isaac fires Hayden. roaring. Yeah. No, it would be Isaac, definitely. I mean, he's got his own family, probably wants to spend some time with them. I'll have to allow that. Uh, I'd better invite Alan because he'd be very annoyed if I, if I didn't. Yeah. Um, he'd probably say no, but that's fine. Um, and then I think Steve Howie, my mate, Steve Howie as well. So. Lovely, yeah. lovely stuff. Any more for any more, Chris, or is that everything? Uh, we'll do one more quick one, shall we? Um if you could choose three players as realistic signings in January, who would they be and why? That's from Simon Tingles. Realistic? That's no fun. Um, I love the idea of James Ward-Prowse being a Newcastle player one year, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, but I think he's a great footballer, and we really need a dead ball specialist because we don't seem to be able to take a corner or a free kick at the minute. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's one for me, George. you got any players yeah, in mind that you like? Yeah. Say again? We'll go one each. One each. Okay, well, yeah, I, I don't think this will happen either, but I would love um, Connor Cody from Wolves. Mm, um, yeah. 
I interviewed him in the summer after the uh, after the Euros and just loved his attitude. He didn't play in the Euros, but was still one of those sort of captains around the place. Mm. I love the way he plays for Wolves. I just love his attitude. And Newcastle, desperately. I mean, it's pretty sad. It, it's come to this that as a 51-year-old man, I just dream of competent centre halves. <laughs> I mean that, but that's first. That's the first step in the revolution, isn't it? All I want for Christmas is a fully functioning back four. Yeah, basically. yeah, it's, it is. It is. I mean, I, I think that is absolutely the priority. So, yeah, Connor Cody, I would take someone like him all day long. Wonderful. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'll second the desperate need for for a centre back, and so I'd go for someone like Nathan Ake, which I don't think Man City will let him go, but I think it is realistic in that sense that he, that he wants more game time. He's worked with Eddie Howe before. That could do with a left-footed centre back. Um, and he's someone who can play it out from the back a little bit and has Premier League experience, so yeah, I'd go for He was, quite interestingly, he was high up on the list um, at the time that the takeover might have happened the first time. Mm. So I was think that was before he'd joined. Yeah, it was 20, it was just before he joined, it was when he was still at Bournemouth. Yeah, when he was still at Bournemouth. So um, he was, I mean, th- those football advisors aren't, aren't working for them anymore, but yeah, he was someone that was, he was he Is that was an exclusive? Can we call that a Pod on the Time Christmas exclusive? Not really. I think we've written ah, it before bollocks. anyway. So. Fair enough. Never mind. Right then, let's move on. There's one more thing to get through before we finish up. Yeah. Uh, do me a favour, George. Just pass me that bottle opener next to you on that table, please. Okay. <sighs> That's oh. right. It's Christmas quiz time, oh, ladies and gents. I knew you were going to do <laughs> that. Look at the face on the Grinch over there. Look at him. This is my favourite moment of 2021. You can't be serious with that hat on your head. You can't. Come what on, do you mean? have I can't a bit of fun. Si- have a bit of fun. No, just chill I hate out. quizzes. It's fine, it's Christmas. I thought, got, I thought we moved beyond quiz. We haven't. We've gone backwards. We've regressed. Very much like Newcastle United's back four, we've gone back to our former state. I'm not, right. happy. I'm not happy with this. I have written some questions. There is three questions each and a special tiebreaker. They're not particularly Christmas themed, but they are 2021 themed or as near to 2021. I can't remember that far back. <laughs> It's 2021 now, George. I, hope, I know. I hope all the questions are about George going to Brighton and watching that 3-0. Right, let's do a quick coin toss to see who goes first. Call in the air, Chris. Heads or tails? Heads. It's a tail, George. Would you like to go first or would you like Chris to go first? <sighs> let's just get it over with. You're going to go first? Yes. Right, question number one. Steve Bruce famously, famously said, how's the bacon, did you say, in a press conference? Which other food stuff has he mentioned before in a press conference? Cabbages. <laughs> no, it was dry biscuits. Back well, on the dry I'm biscuits, not, I'll, I'll, are you? Hang on a second. <laughs> has he not mentioned cabbages in a press conference? Yeah, but that wasn't on my list of answers so I like this quiz already so, so the answer a, is dry biscuits so I've given you a correct answer no you've I? given me an answer but it wasn't the correct answer to the question I was asking so the answer is so the question is what other foodstuffs has he mentioned no what other foodstuff has he mentioned it's dry Cabbages. biscuits you're wrong Chris Cabbages. your turn shut up <laughs> this is already absolutely this is ugh, in a week of VAR travesty this is threatening to be the biggest travesty of the lot good I'm glad we've got him back in this mood it's good right uh, Chris, who were the first team that Newcastle United faced in 2021? Leicester City. Andy Carroll. Oh, you've got a bell. Oh, he's got the bell on the button. Andy it was Carroll Leicester scored. City. So, so, Chris, so just to clarify, Chris has given a factually accurate answer and has got a point for it. I gave you a factually accurate answer and haven't got a point for it. Yes, that is okay. correct. Okay, thought so, yeah. Okay, Great. George, which former Newcastle nope. United striker ended his playing career in 2021 after spells with Besiktas, Shanghai Shenhua, Goztepe and Lugano? Hmm. 
Demba Bar. Correct. Well done. He's still the absolute He's still rage on his face. <laughs> he hates this. He hates this so much. Uh, Chris, how many Premier League red cards have Newcastle United had in the calendar year of 2021? Mm. Premier League's not including the cuts. He's no. going to have to guess this. This is my chance. Five. That's the correct answer. That's it is five. Good. Well done, Chris. Where's he got that, that from? Is, he's pulled that out of his arse. That is amazing. Kieran Clark. Ridiculous. John Joe Shelby. Oh, he's going to name them all as well. Smart arse. You don't get an extra point for being a smart arse. I can't actually remember any of the ones. Right, well, good. George, in the song The Blade and Races... Oh, Christ. Where does the bus wheel fly off? What? How is this a 2021 theme? It's question? not. <laughs> you said... Oh, okay. I said it's close out. Let's just go on. Just sing the song. Sing it. <laughs> I think it's about the third verse. This. Oh, I don't know. Come on, where does the bus wheel fly off? Have a guess. Um, At least have a punt. <sighs> just on a street somewhere. On a street next somewhere. To the, next to the quick fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, the answer, Chris, do you know? It's not the Armstrong factory, is it? No. no. Uh, the answer was the railway bridge. Fuck off. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So bollocks. Uh, Chris, so here we go for a clean sweep. 100% if you get this right. Who was the last player to leave Newcastle United for a transfer fee? So, there wasn't anyone this year. Nice bit of audio silence uh, there. Good for Iose Perez. That's incorrect. It was actually Dan Barlazer who left for £248,000. Thank uh, God. Yeah. I thought Where you were trying to question me again. It wasn't. Is, that, is, that, is that a correct answer? It or is was... not a correct no, answer. Is no. it a correct question? Because it's wrong. <laughs> is it a correct question? No. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's not a correct question. Right. I mean, I have won, so it doesn't mean that. Yeah. Uh, the tiebreaker, if you're interested, although I know you're not, George, and your face would tell me that. Uh, how many times has Alanson Maximum been fouled this season? I'll let you go first. Um, 30, 36 Okay Chris 43 George was close on that It's actually 27 In the Premier League 27 fouls I gave you a correct answer I didn't oh. get a point What is the <laughs> You didn't give me The correct answer You gave me A correct answer But it wasn't The correct answer That doesn't answer. make any if sense you, For a listen, quiz Listen Take it up with Ollie Take it up with Ollie If you want You saw the questions beforehand well, uh, Take it up, Ollie. Why? What's what's Ollie's role in this? He's producing the show. He's not like god of quizzes. Yeah, this quiz was like Newcastle United season. It's just faded. Pathetic (laughs) and fatally flawed from the start. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Championship level. It wouldn't have been a pot. Awful. That's it. It wouldn't have been a pot on the time quiz unless we pitched you off massively. Rubbish. (laughs) I'm so angry. I almost don't want to do the thing that I'd save to laugh. Oh, which which is what have you saved? Hang on, I'm rustling, rustling these things. Hang on. Which have I you got ha- carrots in that bag? Yeah, because I thought carrots might be funnier than sprouts, but they, uh, I've changed my mind. Because I actually have got Chris sausages after all. Hey! Yeah. Thank you. <sighs> Christmas time. I wish I hadn't done that. The thing I love about this now is that we are now going out for Christmas drinks and some food after this, and we all have to walk around with a punnet of sausages in our pockets. Well, we don't all have to do that, do we? Because <laughs> I don't. That's true, you've given them out, haven't you? But you're going to get these ones back because I've got chestnuts in. I can't well, you can, you can swap. You can swap. <clears throat> Although I do have to carry a... I do have to carry... A, a bag of carrots. <laughs> a quite substantial <laughs> bag of carrots which still have all the leaves on them. <laughs> I panic bought, as always. Maybe carrots would have been... My carrots were funny. 
This is the proof. That I've got to be honest, George. I think the quiz is the least of your problems at the minute, isn't it? <laughs> no. Let's be honest. I'm really not happy about that. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, then. That's it. That's it for today. Lads, it's been fun. It's been lovely to see you both. Yes. Um, it's the first time we've done this in person since January 2020 when we used to record in a little studio yeah. just down the road. It's been really great seeing you both. It, it, it really has. It's... Uh, it's nice to get back out there into the real world and do some face-to-face stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'll uh, we'll see you on Zoom next week or the week <laughs> after. We're not we're not we're not here next week. Oh, we we here the week after. So uh, that's it for today, uh, and that's it for 2021. Thank you all out there for uh, for tuning in, downloading, and sticking with us. Uh, and you stuck with the club through the miserable times, uh, and here's to future successes. Um, however long it's going to take to get there, you never know. Uh, until then, thanks to George uh, and thanks to Chris for being great. Uh, and thanks to all the guests that we've had on and from everyone at Pod on the Time it's Merry Christmas and a very happy new year Could you take the naked bit out? (laughs) (laughs) The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.